dumb fun. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast with Andy and Steph. Steph, welcome in to Musical the Andy. Movie the podcast episode twenty something. Um, I can't counts. believe that we're like coming. We're coming right up there on a year. I wonder. Coming right up there. That's how people say it often. Um, <laughs> Uh, I wonder if we'll do anything special for the month of August, if we'll celebrate Ooh, for the our month anniversary of August. or anything else that happens around anything that Anything else that happens in the month of August. Uh, the, the birth of a great man happened around August, August 10th or 11th. I can't remember. Of course, I'm talking about Hulk Hogan. Uh, <laughs> but also, I was born August 10th, so maybe I'll take over August and program some weird fuck shit musicals in August. Oh, maybe that would be fun. Maybe that would be a really fun time. But, I mean, if we're talking about weird fuck shit musicals, this is the week Hell for yeah, it. Hell yeah, we are. Uh, because we got taken on a journey. Now, before we dive all the way into Headway, can we touch briefly on a couple of things about last week? Um, yes, please. Two, I want to talk about it. two songs. I want to talk about our original song, uh, with a Boner. <laughs> our original song. <laughs> Which took, uh, which has ta- been taking the world by storm. It crashed at the paper machete, and two Laugh Factory audiences were indifferent towards it. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, the other song I want to talk about from the Little Mermaid 2023 is Scuttlebutt. You which guys, we 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 sort of didn't give a fair shake to on last week's episode, but we then proceeded to listen to it nonstop for about a week. Okay, here's the thing. I first heard the Scuttlebutt. I think we talked about this on a TikTok, and it was awkward as shit. It, like, made my skin crawl a little bit. And then we watched the movie, and I was like, oh, that was actually kind of fine. Like, you know, it's a kid's movie. It, like, reads as a kid's song, and it's, like, it's got a little bop. And then, like, truly on the way home... Like the those those opening chords hit and it's like boom 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 boom, 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 boom. and the scuttlebutt's just like gonna creep up yeah. on you and it has been doing that nonstop for the last I don't nonstop. know we listen to it once a day days. minimum for the last two weeks uh, so, so long anyways, that's just a rare look back uh, to the people <laughs> uh, who came for the Little Mermaid episode last week uh, but we're not here to talk about the Little Mermaid anymore right. You know, she's a little mermaid of sorts, Hedwig, isn't she? Hedwig you know, is... She, comes, would, she goes through a change. She goes through a change. She comes through... She, she certainly um, loses a part of her body for a man. Uh, so, certainly. I don't know. A lot of things to talk about. Let's go ahead and address up top stuff that nothing... Look, nothing has ever dismayed you and me more than that we, each of us fell in love with a straight white person. Um, <laughs> and so, we are two straight white people hosting a conversation about a, a very queer musical. We are not equipped... Uh, to do that in any uh, intelligent way, which is why we'll probably be doing it in just the dumbest way possible. Uh, but just it's a little acknowledgement. Fun. Yeah, it's dumb fun. It, um, yeah, I feel like uh, this musical is all about exploring weird... Um, uh, weird is such a weird word, but I but it's what I mean. Like, like weird perspectives weird on gender. Like, perspectives mm-hmm. on gender that aren't... Um, that are outside of the binary. Um, And I don't know that, like, I'm really excited to talk with our guests today and with you about this movie and about how far we've come in the last 20 years and how uh, weird it is to look back at this movie. Um, Certainly. 
So yeah, I, it's... so yeah. Well, I guess uh, let me just start by asking you a, a simple question. It's one we ask every week here on the podcast. Stuff. Do you fucks with Hedwig and the Angry Inch? <sighs> the thing is, I really hadn't. I um, which feels almost anachronistic. Like I know. Okay, I do. I remember watching it um, at some point in when I was in college, which was in the late two thousands, the late aughts. As we mm-hmm. we old say, um, and uh, I like the songs have sort of like poked up. Like certainly the songs are like Spotify really loves when I like will love to put it into one of my mix playlists that it makes. Uh-huh. They love to like so I because they're like then, oh you like Broadway and you like uh, yeah you know and like, like you uh, like uh, like. Uh, acoustic-y things that were made in the late 90s um (laughs) i just heard that you were saying lou reed while i was whatever okay he Um, wasn't doing anything acoustic in the late 90s god knows what he was doing in the late 90s i was listening to him in the late 90s that was fair enough okay it's not the point anyway one of you was doing heroin probably (laughs) one of us well i'll never tell who (laughs) uh I, yeah, so I just like this. It really, I didn't really have a relationship to it with this movie at all until uh, we watched it for the first time. For the like, I like properly sat down and watched it uh, a oh, couple really? days ago. Yeah, interesting. All right. So it's a uh, it's new to me, Andy. Do you yeah, fuck with Hedwig? So, yeah. Okay. So I was Steph. You know this about me. I was the worst kind of high schooler uh, in the year two thousand, which was <laughs> the one with a subscription to Entertainment Weekly, and. It, <laughs> Entertainment Weekly loved Hedwig and the Angry Inch in 2001. Oh, sure. Wait, can we uh, talk about when this movie came out? It was, drumroll. Yeah, it it, it was going to come up. But yeah, this movie was released September 12th, 2001. Uh, And so... I just feel like that does sort of explain... Yeah, like, why... I didn't have, like, a shepherd for this movie. I didn't have someone who loved this movie or loved this play who, like, was like, nah, you gotta, you gotta right. love Hedwig. Uh, and, and so like, it's, not maybe... like if, it's not like if September 11th hadn't happened, this movie would have been, like, Avengers <laughs> or something like that. Maybe. But, like, but, like, at least it maybe would have made $12 million instead of $3 million. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, I, I rented this. I don't remember if I was in high school or college when I rented this, but definitely... Um, yeah, I, I it definitely, I definitely thought it was good, and I definitely was like, I don't totally understand. Um, <laughs> and now I watch it twenty years later, and I'm like, I don't totally understand. Uh, <laughs> but I understand a, a lot more. I think probably everyone <laughs> understands a lot more about. I don't know. It's it's a film with. Um, it's interesting because it's it's like it's not a it's not a film. Okay, you know what? Let's bring our guests in and, and talk about this because there's too much to break down about this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. and and let's just bring in everybody. Uh, who do you want to bring in, Steph? I am so excited to bring in a comic and playwright out of beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome, Vidalia and Wynn. Hi. Hi. Hi, V. Thank you How for joining you? us here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh-huh. Uh, and a little round of applause from our other guest. They are a pop star who who has uh, they, they cringe every time I say that. What would you prefer, Natalie? Musician? Uh, Renaissance man. (laughs) They're a girl Friday who does every witch thing. You can, I used to call them Regina Watts when I first encountered them at the Gallery Cabaret. Oh, that's a good one. I've gotten Reggie Watts uh, 
with boobs before. <laughs> yeah. with yeah. boobs. They're a looper. They're a, a fantastic musician, a sonic genius. I've called them many times. Natalie Grace Alford is here. Hi, Natalie. Oh my gosh. Hi. Hey. Natalie, I um, hey. we we met like three minutes ago on Zoom. Um, and so I haven't ever had the chance to t- tell you that you are the person whose music I have listened to like the most. Who I <gasps> like, I was like, oh wait, I could like meet Natalie Grace Alford one day. <laughs> You're telling me that I could, oh, like, yeah. we could talk. Oh yeah. So this is, I'm a little bit. She's been dating me for four years, so she has heard uh, just all your music, uh, you know. Oh, fantastic. Uh, no, yeah. I've just been uh, under the weather for the past three years. So yeah. that's been, that's why I go by Renaissance Man now. Right, you know? right, right. I gotta <laughs> figure out all the other tools. Hopefully I can make a great, um, you know, invention. And maybe one day we can make a musical out of the Danny DeVito movie Renaissance Man. Oh um, my god, that's a dream. That's a future project. Look, we're here to talk about Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, <laughs> so much to I, Vidalia. Let me start with you. Do you had you uh, had you ever fucked with Hedwig and the Angry Inch before this? We had not fucked before. I think we might have <laughs> accidentally matched on Tinder once, but neither of us messaged the other. Uh, I, honestly, my extent of it was there was someone I knew in college whose taste in everything I disagreed with. Mm-hmm. And she loved this movie, so I was like, "Fuck that! <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm never watching it." Um, and that, and people that similarly had her taste that I didn't like kept saying I should watch this movie, and so I've kind of just avoided it until you forced me at some point. <laughs> there was no gun involved. I want to be very clear about that. We're very that's, yes, that's what we're telling the police. Here. Yes, because I know what you'll do. I said no cops. That's part of it. Well, Natalie, what about you? When when did you come to fucks with Hedwig and the Angry Inch? Well, I was once a young child. <laughs> and you know those video stores? This was not a blockbuster. This was called Video Mania, okay? Wow. And they had a Ooh. cigarette machine in there. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. And that. they would let us rent whatever um, we wanted. And they shouldn't have, but they did. <laughs> so I was like 14, 15, and I saw the wig. And I was like, I need this wig. And I just rented it. And as you can tell, because I am one of the, I'm an annoying person. I'm like, I love this. Um, you know. You're one of the people <laughs> that Vidalia was like, fuck that. If they like it, I'm not. Straight up, like Vidalia was describing exactly why people didn't watch Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And I'm one of those people. Because I was like, you gotta watch it. I'm just um, so honored that we could bring you two together today. <laughs> oh, no, it's fantastic. Oh, God. It's, it, all sides of this movie. Movie. But I really once, you know, when I was in music, I originally wanted to go into music theater, actually, funny yeah. enough, before, yeah, before I wanted to do, you know, uh, writing and stuff like that. So when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, this is me. I am, <laughs> oh my God. And especially when you're a little weirdo. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, I fell in love with the movie. So it was funny when you sent it to me because I was like, oh, I don't, I'm just going to watch this for fun. But yeah, I, I, known that movie and love the movie since it was uh like yeah 14 15 nice i love that we have all, mm-hmm. all spectrums people who just watched it for the first time people who uh, had seen it since they were 14 or 17 or 21 i love that i'm going to talk a little bit about how this movie came to be and sort of how it was born it was the collaboration of stephen trask who did the musical lyrics and john cameron mitchell who writes the book which uh, we haven't talked a lot about uh, just because this is a movie podcast. It's not a play podcast. We haven't talked a lot about what the book means stuff. 
Like, the just basic terms like that. Can we talk about that real quick? Yeah. So, um, in a stage production, I mean, and in a movie musical, it does sort of also apply. Uh, and, but in a stage production, you would have like the songs that are written by people who write songs. Um, and then you would have like the script of the play. And then the songs will be sort of inserted into the script, but they, and they can be written by the same person, but like mm-hmm. those are also often very different skill sets. And so they're often v- right. written by different people. It still fucks me up that then you got people who do music and people who do lyrics, like, mm-hmm. like Alan Mickens just like, Hey, Howard Ashman, I got an idea. It's like, la, 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 la. Keep it words to that. <laughs> like, what is that. What is that as a job? I, um, I like to right. think Thank of it God. like the difference between um, like someone who writes poetry and someone who writes prose, even if it's not like even like not necessarily like poetry that rhymes or is like in uh, a meter or like, you know, very structured, like that's still very different than writing prose. Yeah. Um, that's just how it works in my head. Love it. Um, so they developed this play by doing band gigs rather than like developing it in a theater space they do a bunch of band gigs including a lot at an nyc drag punk club called squeeze box and hedwig herself is loosely inspired by a german divorced u.s army wife who was john cameron mitchell's family's babysitter and moonlighted as a prostitute oh in the, at her trailer park home in junction city kansas where oh. john cameron mitchell is actually from oh my god i don't know that i knew okay <laughs> which part which part you want to break down the part where he himself is has uh lived the role of tommy (laughs) yeah tommy is based on him uh that it's it's and it's originally conceived as the main character of the piece and they're both gay they're both the child of an army general they're deeply roman catholic and they're both fascinated with mythology like originally he is tommy i don't know if that means that something happened between him and this babysitter uh or if this is all you know if that's where the extrapolation of fiction the grand extrapolation of fiction comes in uh yeah whether they make it interesting Mm -hmm. i don't know what i do know is yeah they start developing this at band gigs the wig is developed when john cameron mitchell gets a gig as a fill-in host at squeeze box on a bill with debbie harry from blondie and so this wig with the feathers is developed to which is so funny to me because like openers usually don't want you to look like them (laughs) in my experience uh i don't know louis ck has a lot of white guys open for him so maybe that's different but uh uh, openers Hello. openers don't usually want you don't usually want the hair of your opener I don't know so they developed this piece for four years before debuting the full thing off Broadway where it plays at the Jane Street Theater for over two years 857 performances it wins the OB for best new American play that's like the Tony but for off Broadway plays thanks crossword puzzles um, <laughs> and uh, they said this is a, a quote from John Cameron Mitchell he says that we often had very silent audiences but it wasn't until people who didn't like musicals started coming in celebrities like Glenn Close Patti Lapone, Marilyn Manson Barry Manilow Lou Reed and David Bowie started coming uh, and then there's a bidding war for the movie uh, and New Line who ends up producing it is one of the few companies run by one person at the time it's Bob Shea and he's getting ready to make the Lord of the Rings trilogy so he's just like king shit in Hollywood, just, like, getting ready to just mm. drop these Lord of the Rings movies. And he's just like, yeah, come on over here. I got all the money you want. And uh, New Line produces it. And then they're at Sundance, where they win, I think, um, uh, they win something at Sundance. But they're they're at Sundance, and uh, there's a changing at the guard at New Line, and all the, you know, higher-ups are replaced. And literally, they're, like, walking down the street with one of the producers who gets a phone call from the new head of production who says, hey, I just wanted to congratulate you on having this big success with Hedwig. I still need to tell you that despite that, if I had been in charge then, like I am now, this movie would not have been made and you're fired. 
She's literally fired oh, while walking down the street oh, with them shit. at Sundance. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, it's just like so. So then, the, because of the change of the are direction, are we sure the movie's not cursed? Because I, I think it also caused nine eleven. <laughs> That's the thing is that so then there's because of the changing of the guards, it gets no promo money, and they're just forced to like get free promo by entering themselves into festivals and festivals and festivals. He thinks they did like a hundred festivals, and uh, and the, and of course they do the Rosie O'Donnell show at some point, um, and the uh, and then they. Um, well, of course, then the sad story is that the movie opens on September 12th, and so no one's going to it anyways. There was, I read a thing that said that movie theaters then just started letting people in free that week, which I don't remember happening. But suffice to say that like even if people did go see Hedwig that week, it wasn't making money because movie theaters were letting people in free, apparently. Um, but yeah, so it opens September 12th. It earns a d- domestic theatrical total of $3.6 million on a $6 million budget, considered a theatrical flop, but as many things did back in that time, it found its audience from little weirdos going into video mania and renting it on DVD. And that's, again, I can't remember if I got this from a blockbuster, a Hollywood video, or if I had to go to like a weird, so we had Black Lodge video, which is still around in Memphis, the weird (gasps) video store. Uh, Black Lodge? Yeah. Basically. Wait, can you say that again? Black Lodge. It's a, uh, a Twin Black Peaks Black Lodge. Reference. I thought you said Bach Lodge. <laughs> we have Baklava video. <laughs> I thought. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much the background that I have on on how this movie and, and play sort of came together. Let's dive in. We're going to, we open with America the Beautiful. <laughs> like it's a we WWE sure pay-per-view. <laughs> and that's sort of anchoring us. Um, and then we, uh, I think go right to Hedwig on stage. She's got these like fabric wings that say Yankee go home with me, which is, uh, hello Kansas city. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Yankee go home is a reference to a March in East Berlin. Uh, the East German youth had a, had a sign that said Yankee go home, meaning the American troops. And that's why yeah. I had Wake's cape says Yankee go home with me. It's pretty funny. I just need one of the, Sorry, one no, of those, like... one of those drag jokes. That's really funny when you, when you, uh, when you really think about it. It's funny. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> this whole, wait, let, let's, before we even get into the plot, can we just talk about how this whole movie, it has drag show energy, but yeah, then it also was... has like lifetime movie energy at points. <laughs> That, that was very much my thought, was that it felt more like something that was workshopped in drag shows. It was meant yeah. to get people excited in drag shows, and the excitement was probably in the live show was because it had drag show energy. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I it would fucking crush life. Mm-hmm. I give them credit for making a movie out of it, though. And by that, I mean, like, it could have just been a play. They could have just been standing in one spot. But no, that camera, they did a lot of shit. I they agree. made an it's... actual... An actual movie with those two dollars they had to make this movie. <laughs> well, and and not only that, I I love that it also just got the beautiful essence of what it's like to be on tour, uh-huh. and that you got to take any gig that you can get, and the salad bar is right behind Hedvig's <laughs> Berlin Wall. It captured that essence of like I got to get the gig, got to get the thing, and I'm going to do 110 percent because that's like the opening. First thing that you know is they're not getting paid enough money for this mm-hmm. and they will do 110% even if you are just trying to have your your biscuits and gravy. They don't, <laughs> Hedwig doesn't care. They are bringing they, um, all you of know. this energy yeah. to like they're they are bringing the performance energy of an arena 
to this like diner tonight. I have seen so many yeah. punk shows in that exact kind of setting, but the thing that threw me <laughs> off is they do usually clear a corner, <laughs> and with them they're like, "No, everyone, go around the salad bar." But I, I, like, yeah, that's true. I've definitely done shows where people had to walk past me on stage to get to the bathroom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Um, it's the worst when you can feel the air wafted <laughs> from the bathroom. Like when they close the door, that's when you know, like, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. Your art, your craft. V, to your point, like, this movie is directed by John Cameron Mitchell, which is incredible oh because it's a, it is a whole ass movie. Like, it is not. It is not like a, a, it is not, you know, the thing I always criticize is the producers. We haven't talked about it on this podcast yet, but when I saw the producers in theaters in 2005 or whatever, I thought they just filmed that they just filmed the show. Like there's no moviness to it. Yeah. There's no cinematic quality, but this is is really a movie. They adapted this to film. Yeah. They they really did some, some wild shit. uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's took, take some chances. I do like that. Uh, so anyways, yeah, they're always playing uh, pretty much, I think, every time we see Hedwig play, uh, except for one, it's at a, ben- a Bilgewater's restaurant, which is clearly a chain. Oh, I never even caught that. It's all the same restaurant chain. Yeah, it's a chain of <laughs> restaurants called Bilgewater's, which appears to be themed around the sinking of the Lusitania. <laughs> I didn't uh, know that. It's, hang on, I do have something about this. Oh, bilge is the area on the outer surface of a ship's hull where the bottom curves to meet the vertical side, and bilge water is dirty water that collects inside the bilges. Bilge water, just so you guys, that's like, look that up. That's the perfect, um, like, in-your-face metaphor for that, that, like, vibe of a performance. Like, doesn't Mm -hmm. matter, I will play in the bilge water. Yeah. You see, yeah. I had up till this point, I'd always assumed that uh, Hedwig was a punk band. And up through this point, I'm like, okay, they're still a punk band. I've seen this show a million times hearing right. Goldwater. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's still a punk. It's not a punk movie, but that's fine. <laughs> Interesting. It's because I feel like they think they are. And, and maybe they are for like. Oh, they think they're glam rock. I think someone in that band are. thinks glam they're rock. Glam rock. Yeah, that's the, pretty much. She literally does wear a t shirt that says punk rock at some point. <laughs> yeah, but glam rock people do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They do that. They think that they See? can be punk. It's like, I have punk friends. Look, you can make teachers. I've like, heard of Ramones. <laughs> I can be punk. Exactly. Do, have you guys noticed that no one in the band has the same style? Like I, they, I did all. notice that. I yeah. Like that. They've, got, they've got 80s hair metal guys. They've okay. got a couple of like what would in a few years become uh, like new metal 41. spiky haired. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. They've got uh industrial metal guys uh-huh, like uh-huh. industrial goth um and then i don't know what yitzhak how you describe yitzhak style but y- yitzhak... yitzhak is who i would go with the uh, hair metal hair okay. metal that looked in the late 90s That's... yeah so they started 90s... all going bald and wearing bandanas all the time. <laughs> 90s axel rose yes, <laughs> yes. Exactly. that also links up with wrestling by the way they also started going bald and wearing bandanas in the 90s a lot of Hulk Hogan yeah. bandanas. Great man. And, and Hedwig, of course, is as okay. glam rock as you can get on a uh, Old Navy budget. <laughs> exactly. Um, didn't even, she didn't even have H&M. <laughs> can we talk about... I want to talk about Yitzhak for a second because I'm, fasc- I'm fascinated by Yitzhak. This is a great performance in the movie, I feel mm-hmm. like. And oh, yeah. this is a girl... What's her name again, Steph? It's uh, Miriam Shore, I believe. Miriam Shore. And she, she plays Yitzhak, who I believe... I believe in the okay. So we're, I'm gonna, we use the word. This is 
too much wrestling talk on this podcast. I acknowledge that. But we use the word kayfabe a lot on this podcast. And I just want to introduce that word into this conversation. Formally. Kayfabe, yeah, kayfabe is the, the assumption that wrestling is real. And so when you're working in wrestling, you're trying to keep kayfabe, you know, for the fans, even though everyone knows it's fake. And so kayfabe is like, mm. so my question here is like, in kayfabe, is Yitzhak a, a man? Because I feel like that's the story. The story, as I, as I uh, understand it, is that Yitzhak is a man, and then in the play, they get married, and Hedwig makes Yitzhak promise not to do drag again. And that's why it's sort of a big deal that Yitzhak is going out for this part of Angel and Rent later in the, in the movie. But, uh, and, and why it's a big deal that Yitzhak ends up doing drag in the movie. But uh, it's because they have this deal that Hedwig sort of put Yitzhak under his thumb and made him promise not to do drag again. Does any of that make sense? See, I missed that detail where he'd been doing drag before. But yeah, I think he is supposed to be. That's not in the movie. And like, I remember when I first uh, saw that reveal, it kind of was like a, oh, Well, like at the end, but uh-huh. like the the funniest thing is the contempt that Hedvig has for um Aesop, uh like when they're doing that yeah 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 and then pulls the mic cord <laughs> right out uh-huh. like oh oh the beautiful pettiness of it <laughs> but that character reminds me of it's like Hedvig puts all the envy and and hatred for themselves onto this character. Um, for the various reasons that we'll talk about later with like, you know, the whole inch of the play. Right. Um, and then, yeah, the jealousy of them as a musician as well, you know, like it's always like there's got to be a block. So there was all these hints about um, denying of you're not going to even because I even saw that as more of like, oh, oh, she wants to be or she's a woman. You mm-hmm. know, that's mm-hmm. that's how the end of that when i was 16 that which you know good for me not (laughs) but that was like a moment of very like big like this is the realization of like i have hated you for just the worst reasons because i hate myself yeah and Mm -hmm. that that character is so good at um giving us a gauge of the I guess almost rage that is in Hedvig and that's like that character is so so great because yeah they're they're like just as talented if not more than Hedvig and Um, Miriam Shore's performance too is like entirely in her eyes and like mm -hmm. like truly they take out so like Yitzhak doesn't really say like I don't know what she has like only sings yeah 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 um but like but still that face is so expressive like, you can just read everything. The moment in the laundromat right after Hedwig is freaked out and stormed out, and then Itzhak sees the flyer for rent auditions. <laughs> uh-huh. And then he doesn't, he's, like, trying to not look at it while he grabs. And it has a bunch of things, like, you'd grab and tear off a number. <laughs> but because he's not looking at it, he just grabs the entire flyer and rips it off the wall. It's so funny to me. <laughs> Sorry, if you don't put a bra in a dryer. <laughs> it's bobs. I I I died laughing when I saw like the band members that just It's because it's Kristoff, the band member <laughs> the then just like folds crying. He's mm-hmm. just like he's clearly been yelled at the yelled at the yelled at about this before. Over. Well, okay, so the other layer of Yitzhak is that like by custom Yitzhak is played by a cis woman. And like that is I think also not addressed in like anywhere explicitly and i love that it makes it this sort of like 
extra layer of just like forcing you to think about it like yeah. like forcing us to be like does it matter does like yeah. what like what what I think is basically just to fuck with us yeah Yitzhak exactly is a cis man played by a cis woman exactly yeah <laughs> i love it by, by the way the 2023 transgender read of all of this is very different oh <laughs> I, know. I, no, I know uh-huh well so there's this whole i mean we, we need to talk we need to get into so something i want to talk about right away is that um John Cameron Mitchell has said that Hedwig is not trans. Hedwig does not speak for any community like that. Hedwig is mm-hmm. queer, but like he thinks that the the gender reassignment surgery was sort of pushed upon Hedwig mm-hmm. uh, and that then, you know, Hedwig is mutilated. And that so because of that, like Hedwig doesn't speak for any trans community. Like she's she's a queer voice, but not like it not necessarily fits into a, you know. I think that makes sense. Yeah. It it makes sense on paper and it makes sense for 98, <laughs> you know, yeah. like for, uh, uh, for 2000. Exactly. But the 2023 read is like, no, nah, it's not because you, you the, the greater implication is that uh, trans mutilation is never against their will. Uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, there's uh, um, I was reading a really great piece by I want to find their name. Ariel Cottingham. Ariel, maybe. Um, and it's sort of just like a like it's not bullet points, it's very well written, but like there it's it's like bullet points of just like here are all of the terrible stereotypes that this movie plays with and like uses. And yeah, like nineteen ninety-eight was a different time, but it it also wasn't. <laughs> and like yeah. And, and, like, the fact that this movie is doing these things, like, is part of what is perpetuating these stereotypes. And, like, things like that, the that, like, play with gender. Which also, though, like, does, I don't know, like, that, I appreciate that it is a, a separate, I appreciate the distinction saying, like, this is not a trans story. This is a genderqueer story. Mm-hmm. It it does fit better that I before I go on a rail I, we can talk gender theory for hours, <laughs> <laughs> or we can keep going forward and come back to it in pieces. What do y'all want to do? What sounds fun? I think mm. we should do a Patreon episode where we talk about gender theory, <laughs> where I bitch about about all of my own personal. We can get you a little bit and of money how this for movie wasn't punk enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, I, I guess, can we just dive into why this movie is called Hedwig and the Angry Inch? Yeah. It's well, of doesn't penis. that have to do with that? Yeah. Literally, yeah, the whole thing. The, the six, there's a four, five inch back. Um, because yeah. the, the signifying moment, um, what we want to talk about, like, the plot of he was a young boy in East Germany and the Berlin Wall was up and his mother got jobs, uh, working in a factory and so he met a uh, jerk Luther, an american right uh, yeah uh, Luke, yeah sugar daddy yeah. and but yeah he's a jerk mm-hmm. and they wanted to get out of uh east germany as quickly as possible and they found a and like this is the the bad part about the like whole story of it because there have been people who have gotten surgeries um that have went horribly yeah. and um you know I, I, but anyway so that happened and then he moved over with luther to the united states and then was dropped like a 
dropped like a dirty tissue. <laughs> one, on their one year anniversary, the Luther leaves on them the for another year man. Anniversary. Uh, the In day Kansas. that the Berlin oh, Wall falls. Also, day that the Berlin Wall fell down, which sort of yes. means that like even even more so, him fleeing Germany was like you know unnecessary. Unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you could have made it. Another By the way, year. side note. Side note, though, um, it's funny. I had a professor who was spied on um, by the Gestapo in East Germany when he visited. He used to be a lobbyist in, like, Britain, and he, like, went out there. And, like, when the wall fell, they released files to everybody. And he was like, mine was so boring. It just said I had tea and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, but he found it was like, that's my colleague. Yeah, that is my colleague and my neighbor wow. totally reported on that's me. So wow. It has to be so disappointing to find yeah. out that the FBI, you're considered the lame assignment by the, <laughs> exactly. by the KGB. Uh-huh. Exactly. He was like surprised at like, my life is so boring. It's like deleted <laughs> scenes from the Americans. Um, I love that. But anyway. Anyway. So yeah. And also I, I think the East Germany, West Germany thing sort of plays in because the that's sort of what I want to get to is that then Luther, yeah, there's this box sex, this botched sexual reassignment uh, surgery, which leaves him with a mutilated Barbie doll crotch in, in his words. And, uh, and an angry inch, six inches forward, five inches back where his penis used to be, where his vagina never was. And, uh, and so because, and it's sort of described as like with a scar down the middle, which I think is where, why their Berlin wall is like part of this, because it also just, plays with the idea of a thing split in two uh-huh. there's a, a, a kind of a banger of a song called the origin of love which is all about you know has t- it sort of takes a lot of it from mm-hmm. plato's symposium but it's about how you know people were four-legged creatures and then uh zeus split them in half with lightning and now that's why people say they're whole together when they find their partner uh but yeah so it's there's the theme running through the movie of like things are split in half um, i love um I love this, like, this This is the part of the movie that I really love. The, like, is it, like, finding your other half? Is it finding the other half of yourself? Is it, like, external? Is it internal? There's, like, this, the the animation that plays during that song um, sort of, like, comes up again. And I feel like it is significant that it is the visual at the end, too. Um, and the visual that I love is it's two halves of a face of a face and one half just eats the other half. It like mm-hmm. goes into its mouth. I love that moment. That's mm-hmm. like my favorite moment of the whole whole musical. And I wound up super torn because on the one hand, yes, it is the, you know, the split in love and where are you going to find your, your corresponding part? The split in Germany and, and the split in the relationship, all those things. Uh, but it is also the point in which they try and define gender as... You know, a thing decided by Plato, who's never been wrong, <laughs> ever, knew everything about gender. Plato! Uh, uh, and was, yeah, that's the first point of me going, wait a minute. I did read about, because it's from Aristophanes, the Aristophanes part of Plato's Symposium. I didn't know any of this an hour ago. Don't be fooled. I'm not that smart. Um, but suffice to say, there's this whole thing in here about how Aristophanes says some people think homosexuals are shameless, but he thinks they're the bravest, most manly, manly of all, as evidenced by the facts. Only homosexuals grow up to be politicians. I'm like, okay, we. this is not relevant. This is not, <laughs> who, Nobody cares what people said about homosexuals in 385 BC. Now, 387 oh, well, BC, I do. very <laughs> important information. I, I read about it all the time when I'm on the can. It's like not even <laughs> relevant what most people said about homosexuals five years ago. You know what I mean? So, no, yeah. Anyway. But no, I like the duality. I mean, yeah, I what 
the biggest the huge themes are duality that's the whole point of of uh i guess like what they're trying to but i also do um think that i think the movie somewhat acknowledges sometimes the headiness that some people have thinking if i know these great tales because a lot of the um head of it either talks about their life or myths it seems and so that's how like that and tommy gnosis um got together and there is this arrogance and headiness where it's like we do like hedvig and then sometimes we see hedvig's a bastard Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a lot of people who want to try to you know that whole like insult libertarian of like uh look at the old roman architecture like (laughs) that type of thing of if I know these tales that makes me a better person and if I keep trying to run and understand love from these people that really don't care about me or the rest of my life like there's a lot of like things going on with that so it's like yeah to your point Vidalia like yeah like why who who cares about what Plato has to say? How are you treating (laughs) your husband? Not good? Give them their passport. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that dead ass um, white man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so basically after all this, well, I, I guess I, I want to talk about the song that happens right after Luther leaves Hedwig, uh, which is the sort of sing-along song. I don't know what it's called, but it's put on my makeup. Oh, wig in a box. Like wig in a box. box. Okay. That is yeah. the banger Look of the whole, the world whole movie. I've put on some makeup. Sorry, I love... Uh, <laughs> Because he definitely puts on a, I don't know which pop singer it is, like Martin the Hopple and David Bowie. Uh-huh. They, they uh-huh. put that together uh-huh. along with a little bit of uh, Elton John, like that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I keep popping this thing. It's I, okay. I, I love it. This is why we brought a musician on the show. <laughs> we usually have a comedy but person no, that... and a theater person. We said, let's squeeze that into one person this time. That's and me! Have a musician on the show. Uh, yeah, but that one is uh, great because that's where it gets to um, this is a glam rock musical. Um, yeah. And <laughs> not only that, that song masters and part of the reason why it is played so much on Spotify. I had a, my favorite uh, piano teacher, um, Dimitri, uh, he, he, Dimitri Shapovalov. He said that the goal of every song is to be specific enough to relate to one person and yet um, relatable um, so that every person can just, you know, relate to it. And um, that's that song to a T. Uh-huh. It is very specific about putting somebody putting on makeup, but a lot of people put on makeup. It's right. very specific about having a just a day that changes the course of your life and you don't know if you can go. And, you know, getting mundane with also the fabulous person that a lot of people want to be and the only time that you can be that is by yourself again that duality and the dichotomy that is constant throughout this film and the scores within themselves again that's really clever it's really fascinating not to mention that again they go even more into it which i think that the play would be very fun at this part with the sing-along you know think about Mm -hmm. how fun that could be with everybody you know come on let's go really 
yeah. going to that thing of of that we relate to all of this at this point because and then also such a catchy little earworm. Yeah. Ooh, it's it's been stuck in my head all day, genuinely. Uh-huh. Like oh, I've yeah. been singing it at work. In case anyone is listening who hasn't watched it, there's like this moment where everyone like turns to the camera and breaks the fourth wall and right and there's like a little like sing along bouncy ball mm-hmm. and 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 you can because the song is so fucking catchy that like yes I do want to join you. <laughs> Yeah, this whole this whole song is filmed almost like a Pee Wee's Playhouse segment, where like <laughs> where she's sad in the trailer park, and then the band who was not there, I think, in the chronology of events, but like in this music video of this song, is there to come in and play instruments and cheer her. Like you first see them like sort of in the background or out the window, just like playing bass. You know, it's very charming. Mm-hmm. And then Itzhak comes in with the wig all feathered out, and that's like the right wig finally. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when they say you know, everybody, like, it's just the six of them and their faces are all crowded in this one frame. And then there's, like, a bouncing ball over the lyrics. It's very silly. It's very fun. Yeah, like you said, everyone puts on, my makeup is a sleeveless hoodie. You know what I mean? So everyone puts on makeup. Everybody has their routine. Everybody got Mm -hmm. their skincare routine. Suddenly I'm Hulk Hogan. I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know why Hulk Hogan is coming up so much today. There's a lyric. I don't know if it's a lyric or a line, but it's this is the best way that I've found to be the best you've ever seen. And that feels like that encapsulates like this this idea of like this is yeah I want to be the best, and this is the best way that I've found to like be my best, whatever that is. Steph, Natalie, Vidalia, we haven't even talked about. Andrea Martin yet. Uh, Andrea Martin Andrea plays Martin. plays the manager, uh, Phyllis. <gasps> oh my god! And Steph wanted to play a game where we all go around and say what we know Andrea Martin from. <laughs> we all know what we all know from. Right. The what is it for is... you, Natalie? My big fat Greek right. wedding okay. and pretty much every character actor from the years two thousand one to two thousand nine. <laughs> Do you have one, Vidalia? I'm definitely not looking her up on IMDb right now to see if I've seen her in anything ever. (laughs) I I love her on, I mean, first of all, she's famously from SCTV, which if you don't know, was Mad TV for your parents. Uh, and then, and also I just made a lot of people mad by saying that. Um, but then, uh, I love her on Difficult People, which is the Julie Klausner, Billy Eichner show. Uh, on Hulu, she plays Julie Klausner's mom, and she's incredible. No, yeah, she's great. She was, I, I do really love her in my big, big fat Greek wedding. Um, I recently rewatched that. Uh, yeah, she's she's always incredible, and she's she's like I wouldn't like you could almost remove her completely from this movie, and it wouldn't wouldn't affect the movie in pretty much any way. But her like, charm, but I would be sad about it. <laughs> exactly, her charm being there as like the person who supports Hedwig blindly for so long until Hedwig like turns a corner goes too far yeah oh oh she was the voice of female neighbor and freakazoid that's how i know her oh oh god that's so funny (laughs) but like i i love her english teacher um vibe you know Uh that was uh, like you know what i'm saying of like i believe in you (laughs) we're gonna do everything we can i gotta assume uh, that she makes all the um like cardboard wigs that go that, that all the yeah, fans she, have oh yeah that makes she sense does, she is she is organizing she's like um uh the, well obviously she's the manager but like the like one of the most dedicated managers making <laughs> yeah. sure that she gets to every gig making sure that props the merch is getting sold right mm-hmm. and that like some of these like amazing 
queer babies because let's call them that like I, I love Hedvig fans because I'm like oh my god my freshman year of college hello <laughs> you know <laughs> like those are my, those are my friends but um but at the same time like what's really great about her is she's right she does know the truth no a lot of people don't know the truth and there is something very sweet and um wholesome about that character which is why it's such a big loss because she knew Hedvig was telling the truth when not a lot of people believed like a word of that Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. very good character yeah she's she's there through it all she supports them until Hedwig tears up the passport Oh my god. Um, after Itzhak is going to I'm a little confused because Itzhak is trying to go to Guam and don't you not need a passport to go to Guam? I don't think that you can you don't need a passport if you are a national citizen like Oh, but like, Itzhak is and, uh, uh, sure. Uh, well It's also possible Hedwig just hole. doesn't know that. that. Like mm-hmm. Hedwig <laughs> Hedwig doesn't know. Passport law. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know Hedwig. Hedwig's a, a Berliner. Why would Hedwig know? Head from Hedwig's perspective, like you have to have your penis chopped off in order to like get into the America. So like maybe maybe there are really <laughs> extreme laws. Wait, was it a boat cruise? I thought it was a cruise. And if that's yeah. the case, then you do need your passport. Oh, international uh, waters. Okay. Yeah, that's international true. waters. All I right. think that's what it was. Good yeah, catch. Mm. Not, come on, you're supposed to be the dramaturg here, Vidalia. <laughs> Look, I can discuss structure. <laughs> Do you have any I thoughts can discuss on queer themes? <laughs> well, okay. Here, speaking of structure, there is another structure that like we haven't really discussed yet, but that's mostly because it hasn't come up in the plot. Um, but so the structure of this movie is that Hedwig and her band are following around this new punk star, Tommy Gnosis. 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 Yeah. If you don't know that word, yeah, it means you weren't raised Catholic. Yeah, okay, that's <laughs> that's very funny. Um, who now we find out like what there it's sort of like been alluded to that like they have some connection and there's this lawsuit and we know that they are singing the same songs. Um, but we don't really know like what their deal is. And at this point, like after we get um Wig in a Box is when Tommy now like or um, I'm sorry, Hedvig like now tells us the story of how she and Tommy met and like yeah. what their story oh. with each other is. Etta binge waters. I did. I did want to mention that she tells the story of Luther. It's uh, one of my one of the one of my favorite performance scenes in the movie because they're performing at an outdoor festival and they're on stage like nine. Oh yeah, with just that one. <laughs> there's just lady. one girl. <laughs> do, you under, do you understand how much like that puts me to tears? Do you under, oh my god. Yes, because I've been do the one not... person sitting at your gallery cabaret shows before. <laughs> no, 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 no. Those are ones where I didn't expect payment. <laughs> Imagine, if you will, that you are booked at University of Madison, Wisconsin, and you're like, oh my god, and you're booked in one of the biggest rooms, like, oh my god. And then you find out a huge touring band uh is playing across the street at university of madison and oh yeah oh Oh, yeah and i literally got into this stage in the the one of the largest rooms i've ever seen um well it felt a lot larger because it's like oh my god and i performed for the people that were making sandwiches um 
was this the whole on night campus? and like th- it was on campus university of madison That's- and it's like i found out when i got there it's like oh yeah there's this huge sold out show from whatever indie band blah blah <laughs> and so like i showed up to this place i was just like oh dear god Natalie. and there were like three people who were like oh you did so great it really sucks that no one was here <laughs> and i was like <laughs> Yeah, fuck you, presumably modest mouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God knows, I did. Um, so, what you don't know is that's Steph's alma mater, and I'm pretty sure I know the room you're talking about because I've seen the student center, and it's like surprisingly big and like has all the little yeah. sandwich shops, right? Like yeah. right by it. That is exactly correct. Yeah. That is exactly correct. So, yeah. Emptiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, um, that's devastating. No. I love that. I, oh, yeah. I don't know if this and, will make like, you feel better, but I did once see Janelle Monet perform on that stage. <laughs> were there people there? Yeah, there were. <laughs> I was one of them. So first of all, I once did a show. I once did a show. I'm gonna call it about three years ago uh, to a crowd so small that I called How Steph small and put <laughs> that I called Steph and I put her on Facetime just to increase <laughs> the audience by 25 percent, and I put her in the front of the. I put her on the front row. And just would check in with her and tell the audience what she was doing and what she was laughing at. Um, That's right. And then also probably around, I'm going to call it 2009, I saw Tig Notaro in a room on campus at the University of Memphis that literally it was like there were like 10 to 12 people there. That is so crazy to hear the words Tig Notaro and there's only 10 to <laughs> 20 people there. Yeah. But it that even like feels too late for that to have been true it's it's before she like really breaks out but still it's like i'm there because i know who she is but i'm also a working comedian at the time yeah you're a little mark yeah a little comedy mark Uh um so yeah so tommy gnosis tommy speck originally uh hedwig sort of tells this story after getting beaten up for trying to i'm not sure exactly what the plan was so tommy's doing an uh, an album signing and hedwig and Andrea Martin Phyllis seem to have a plan that they're going to get a picture with Tommy and that that's going to that's going to like corroborate her story that she wrote all these songs. I don't know, but sh- a little shout out to the person who plays the bouncer at this event who like really makes the most of their like 45 second cameo. Who's like, you're not on the list. I really believe that she's not going to let anyone into this event. <laughs> Um, but so anyway, so Hedwig's a little beat up and tells the story about Tommy, which is that she is babysitting. Uh, she's, she's apparently turning tricks at the time, uh, and, and babysitting and, uh, and then, uh, sees, I guess she's babysitting for the, for Tommy's family. And he is jerking off to her while she's walking by with the baby. And so she walks into the bathroom, (laughs) lays the baby down on the tile, which is maybe the most upsetting part, that she, like, lays the baby down on the floor, steps over the baby, and then gives Tommy a hand job, and then drops a business card into the tub with him and walks away. <laughs> and the business card says, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, rock band, available for all occasions. Also, you're forgetting a very important part, that this entire tale is being told while drinking Zima. <laughs> oh, God, yes, the garbage pile. It's really important that we don't forget the Zima. We watched okay? that twice. This I just... week I definitely did not clock the Zima, so thank you for bringing that to our attention. It made me die when somebody pointed that out to me, like when I was doing a rewatch of it. I was like, are they drinking Zima? And That's I'm like, so funny. Oh, they are! 
I was commenting today when we were rewatching it that I didn't know how to explain how this movie felt like the the late nineties and how like the music felt like it in such a way, and that is perfectly part of it. Gotta be Zima. Because two thousand one mm-hmm. is basically the late nineties, not to mention that this thing was workshopped, you know, starting mm-hmm. around probably nineteen ninety five or so. Yeah. So. Yeah. It um, counts. Makes sense. It gets slipped in. It counts. Um, and I found so yeah. him incredibly hot. <laughs> so Tommy is good. She's going to like give Tommy, she's going to groom him. She's going to give him vocal lessons. She's going to teach him about rock and roll. This is another um, one of those stereotypes of like, I don't, that like she perpetrates this little sexual assault before grooming him. And then like, oh yeah, the rest I want to be very clear about my use of the word grooming. She is cutting his eyebrows. And trimming his Okay, but she's that also is... grooming him. Okay, that, yeah. that's... And also that's... training him to have sex with someone before he's emotionally and mentally developed enough to make that decision for himself. Okay, yes. so yeah, and I guess it's pretty that. much every way. Yeah. But also, like, getting a, nice, probably... a better shirt. Yeah, if she had married him, she would have done every sense of the word. But in a funny way, I think that they kind of stumbled upon was like literally being obsessed with doing his grooming. Like, they yes. were really nailing out the head that this isn't appropriate. Yes. Like, you know this shouldn't be up like to the point of like oh yeah i'll trim your eyebrows mm-hmm. like give the kid a pair of scissors <laughs> no this is a odd not good like you know yeah stepped over baby on the floor like <laughs> oh the romance abounds you know <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna sit here and act like seven i don't pop each other's pimples but i mean you know <laughs> Wow. That is, if it's on the back, that's different. You can't, no <laughs> you one can't can reach, reach them. Yes, thank you. You can't. Well, uh, so they're gonna, they're gonna keep, she's gonna keep developing him, developing them into Tommy, and for his graduation, gives him his last name. What is it, Steph? Gnosis. That's right. Tommy Gnosis. <laughs> uh, and uh, he, they, they all- start to do... Oh, just we get um, the song. It's not entirely like a montage, but it is a little bit Wicked Little Town here, um, which is, oh, I think that actually this happened before. That's what she's playing with uh, in the laundromat when they first meet is Wicked Little Town. I just wanted to not, I just wanted to talk about Travel Exhausts Me. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Travel Exhausts Me is when she's, Tommy is teaching her about bands like Kansas, Boston, Asia. Europe and she's just traveling. America. Um, but uh, these the song that they perform in the laundromat right after that. I really do like this song a lot. This is a song. So at this point in Hedwig's history, she has started a band with three Korean army wives who have relocated to Kansas. And uh, there's a piano player, a guitar player, a bass player, and a guitar player. I said guitar player twice, but I think that's because there's two guitar players. It's four. No, we're missing the rhythm section. Oh, there's an acoustic. Well, there's there no- was one who was using the maracas. Oh yeah, and she's the, yeah. she's the she's the acoustic guitar player. But then during this song, she does maracas and drums. She does maracas and the the conga. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like does uh, some guitar percussion. Uh, and then uh, yeah, this song is this song's really sweet. It's like um, I don't know. It's like a very John Lennony. Uh, that was Yoko. That was a straight Yoko song. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, accurate. <laughs> uh, Yoko Ono, who has covered uh, songs from this musical, by the way. Ooh, I want to listen to that. I don't know that I do. Why? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm, good. <laughs> I'm just I'm curious. Good. What does that sound like? You know, you can't <laughs> 
That's what it sounds like. You want more of that? Want more I of that? Know, yeah. Weird. But wait, okay. Well, now what I want is, the, is your version. That's a really good impression. That's what it sounds like. I feel like I need a theremin behind that. Man. Yeah. Truly, the the album Double Fantasy by John Lennon and Yoko Ono is one of the worst albums percentage-wise to ever win Best <laughs> Album at the Grannies. At the, gra- the Grannies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, the Grannies. My the grandmother grannies. hated it. <laughs> at the Grannies. The Grannies gave Grammys. And Yoko Ono gets a cookie. That's the award at the Grannies. <laughs> it should have been. The, cookie. Oh, no, the Lennon songs on that album are pretty good. Um... <laughs> Okay, where where are we, Steph? So so he becomes well, Tommy Gnosis. He he sort of rips her off and leaves without her and starts doing songs these songs without yeah. her. Yeah. Right? Um. And then well, oh, well, sorry. It's all gonna come. It's it's all because of the, uh, they have a, they sort their sort of sexual relationship comes to a head. Uh, yeah. They're... So uh, Tommy uh, freaks out when he realizes that she doesn't have a vulva. Like that is what happens. Uh, and runs away. I mean, but I also sort of... gotta think like even a penis would have. You know, I don't know. It's like maybe that would have still been. I, you I don't think know if it's, it's just not the, the fact that it was the the inch, the mutilation. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know because, like, remember, like Hedwig did explain, um, the whole sitch because remember there was the bomb drop. Right. Oh yeah. That yeah, was yeah. signifying mm-hmm. that something happened. So that was why there was more of a hate. I think there was why, like, there was more of like an anger that Hedvig had of like, I already told right. you, you knew about this. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing too with, again, grooming is if once faced with like the thing of like, wait, so I'm gonna have to like continue on to the sexual act that I'm not even sure. I'm not sure about myself. I'm not sure about like. You know, I used to, I remember that I used to like hate Tommy. I was like, you broke her heart. And then on rewatch as an adult, you're like, oh my God, no, that's fucked up. You shouldn't be hanging out with a kid. Why are you hanging out with that kid? And right, someone needs to save Tommy, actually. Yeah, I mean, maybe not. But like the thing is, is like, regardless, is that he realized that he wasn't ready for any sexual relationship even though you know he already knew the truth like so that like that scene for me like now I'm still even like you know because especially again rewatching as a grown-up and like all the different things I've learned like oh man that that is a tough pickle that is yeah <laughs> there's this whole thing about <laughs> how was... Hedwig says that Tommy seems to be ignoring the front of her and so like they never kiss and nothing you know I think ever happened sexually with the front of her body and him. And so in a way, I think he's like ignoring it until he can't anymore. And then he runs away. Mm. Anyway, fun stuff. Shouldn't have stole those songs. <laughs> fun, fun stuff to talk about. Um, but, oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, yeah, he steals the songs. He runs away with the songs. He pretends like Hedwig never existed and uh, gets famous with the songs. And every time, like, I think it's the second or first time we see Hedwig playing, like literally she's playing in St. Louis and she opens the door and it's bright as hell outside, just bright, bright sunlight. And you can hear Tommy playing in Bush Stadium next door oh. in St. Louis. Uh, and so that she's always just right on his ass. I was reading about how that's that's like a nod to the stage show, which is the this, this sort of conceit is that you're like in one of the um, 
bilge waters and like the show is happening in front of you and so she just like keeps like walking back to the door and like keeps going back and yelling at him and see i i took that as a uh look how look how far we can press our budget we can't afford to have an entire stadium (laughs) here but we can wash it out and overexpose it and just yell that there's a stadium and they'll believe us it's great but I bet that works on stage too. I bet if you just do a bright light oh, yeah. behind oh, a door, absolutely. yeah, it's just like stage <laughs> language, movie language. Um, but so yeah, so Tommy is gonna, Tommy's gonna go off. Hedwig's gonna. Is this when Hedwig sort of spirals? Yeah, this is so now Hedwig like has you know her whole. This is when she tears up the passport. Isak's passport. Um, which is just <laughs> so I like. I really I felt step. like I, was like, I had the, the wind Andrea like Martin. knocked out of me. Yeah. yeah, the way Andrea Martin looks at her, like I could, I could never, I couldn't go on if Andrea Martin looked at me like that. I couldn't she's survive. So disappointed. It. Uh, and uh, she just takes Isak's hand and leads him out. And they, uh, in this sort of uh, nadir, um, she Hedwig starts turning tricks again, and Tommy rolls up in his limousine, and uh, she gets into the limousine, and they like have a reconnection night. Which is like, aka, they go on a bender and get in a car crash and get arrested yep. for a little bit of drunk driving, a little bit, just just a touch of a DUI. <laughs> they end up driving Tommy's limo, which the whole time I'm like, where's the limo driver? Why this? didn't they keep that that that? Just keep it up. Roll up the window. Right? That's like you literally, have someone there I, for you. I will never get. By the way, just side note, I'm never gonna get people who have enough money who is like you. You can get an Uber, right. like you could get the Uber XL. Right. You can get right if, the the what? What's the nicest Uber? I think, they can uh, get black. that. Uber oh. black, or no, Uber Black is maybe the normal one, but there's like, probably like a level that we don't know about. Exactly, mm-hmm. Uber exactly. It's, like, yeah. it's like Raya, like, Uber it's Diamond, like the, the Raya Uber Elon. Uber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to know the password. But anyway, back to. Yeah, but yeah, I'll never understand people with with money. Now, if you're broke, drive drunk, please. But if you have money, don't get <laughs> okay. an Uber. That's not that's not <laughs> that's the it. and that's a message from from uh, the no. uh, musical, the movie. The no, podcast. I have to the, I have to like talk to a board of nursing at some point. That's not that's not real. Broke people no. drive drunk. <laughs> yes. Um. All right. So uh, here, where where are we at, Steph? So t- oh, so then they're gonna get into so a car, back crash, the car crash, and Hedwig's yeah. gonna be in the news all of a sudden. Also, I love 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 the tabloid cover of their mugshots because Tommy is doing Tommy is depressed, Tommy sad mugshot, and Hedwig is like it's like a headshot for Hedwig. Hedwig is like big smile holding the thing, like couldn't be more excited to be photographed. Shines, she shines through that lens. Knew that, yeah. knew the cash was gonna get checked soon. I mean, that's mm-hmm. true. That is what that face was. I oh, also yeah, love exactly. Rosie O'Donnell appearance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can we just say 1990s? Like <laughs> this is here, what I'm saying. These kids don't know. They, these kids don't know. She was in your house every afternoon. They promoted the Broadway show on Rosie O'Donnell, and then they used this. They used the footage of them on Rosie promoting the play to act like it's part of Hedwig getting famous from the car crash, uh, which is so that. funny that like Rosie O'Donnell would have this like TMZ news story person on to perform but like also i don't know the 90s were a wild time she was shooting koosh balls everywhere oh yeah oh. <laughs> it was unpredictable so hedwig rides this like the wave of her fame from this car crash <laughs> like where maybe someone got hurt all the way to the Times square bilgewaters 
She's reached the top Bilgewater. <laughs> the flagship Bilgewaters. The final boss, Bilgewater. The Bilgewater. She she does look great when she walks in though. She's got like she's she's got like a full oh, turner. Yeah, and then she this like plastic saran wrap dress. And this is also okay, so like there have been moments of abstraction in the movie, and I feel like what were you we were reading the Wikipedia the way the Wikipedia page phrases it is perfect entering the final chapter of the film it seems to take place in a non-real space that is like (laughs) now we're going abstract they're just in heaven that's what i took this as they're just in heaven a lot of non-real space a dramaturg says i think i think this performance is is in the is in reality and then a lot of stuff that's going to happen after it is not in reality but let's so let's break it down blends into it yeah so hedwig does like uh it's called Hedwig's Lament and it's like this like culmination song and then um it's sort of like she rips off uh, well this isn't where she rips everything off though is it I think it is yeah I think okay. it is no it is at first at first she's doing like the punk performance um you know cuz glam rock people like to the end they still want to be punk mm-hmm. i like that they were consistent with that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but as it's going on, as the anger gets more and more and more and more, um, then uh, the ripping of the plastic mm-hmm. and it happens. Takes yeah. takes her her you know her boobs out and then and then I swear to God, um, ripened tomatoes are being thrown at her. <laughs> so she takes yeah, out ripened tomatoes, which was the uh, her that was, her that fake was her breast. Oh, oh, okay. texture. Which, well, which not- was an interesting way of saying, like, I've taken your insults and made them a part of huh. my mm-hmm. performance. Well, that was and, a nice poetry. And not to mention, um, remember the tomatoes earlier, she uh, uh, or associates that with um, their mom, Hedvig's mom, huh. who she took her name from. Because you always saw her mom making boiled tomatoes or, like, preparing oh, wow. and tomatoes <gasps> yes. were that. And the tomato was thrown at um, Hedvig by their mother mm-hmm. so yeah wow. a lot of that Love was in that. there too all the stuff internalized the past, like yeah these little things here and there you know because mm-hmm. um, not for nothing but i did think that she had clay boobs because of the song where she says her mother made her tits out of clay yeah no but it they brought out the tomatoes of like there will always yeah. be the self-critical like you know and wasn't my mother part of this because here's the thing her mother uh convinced convinced hedvig like yeah this is this is how we can do it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Natalie Alfred with the deep analysis. Beautiful. Told you. But so, and then she sort of scrambles out with tomatoes being thrown at her. And this is where we sort of, I think, get to the non-real space of the movie where it sort of cuts to Tommy, who is singing a reprise of which song stuff? The the laundromat oh, song, right? Little Town. The, yeah, the little, the little John Lennon e-bop. Yeah. And, um... um and, and he's Tommy, sort of similarly like stripped down. Yeah, they're they're very mirroring each other at this point. And oh. it's my understanding that Tommy is not played by anyone except the person who plays Hedwig in the stage show. So I think it's on purpose that they sort of look very similar in this scene where he, they're all stripped oh, down. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I just figured they couldn't afford Devin Sawa, and that's why they got <laughs> that guy. <laughs> uh. But so first, at first it's the Tommy confrontation where Tommy, at least in Hedwig's mind, maybe is asking for forgiveness uh, for Hedwig, from Hedwig. Um, and they just sort of have a moment where 
he sort of sings the reprise of the song, he asks forgiveness, and then sort of backs away. And then we enter a space where Hedwig is performing again, seemingly at the Bilgewaters in Times Square, but everyone's in white, uh, including the band, including, I think, the audience, uh, and including Itzak. Um, And this is the performance during which, yeah, Hedwig is going to take off her wig and give it to Itzak, who will put it, (laughs) I love, puts it on top of the bandana. You you wear the Iron Man suit now. (laughs) It's yours. Yeah. The power is in you now. I yeah. The power was within me the whole time. I didn't need this. <laughs> Maybe it will give you luck. But now you have the Captain America shield. Yes. Um. And yeah, and Itzak puts on the wig, and then, like, there's sort of a, a smash cut almost to, like, now Itzak is is, uh, is fully in drag um, and is presumably the leader of the band, the, the front woman of the band now. Um. I don't know. It's, again, a lot of the ending of this movie is sort of kooky and subjective i think like what what do you yeah. what do you guys take from the end of this movie what do you think happens and I, and I guess let me just say that then it cuts to an alley where hedwig is nude um and it's shot from behind it's very much to me the spider-man no more <laughs> cover uh <laughs> and uh and then hedwig just like walks it takes it's a long shot of hedwig just slowly walking out into the street nude and that's the last uh, shot of the yeah. movie Okay, so my actual take on all this. Uh, The undressing is sort of a note of, I've been playing this character this whole time, uh, and here I am just exposed before you as I truly am. She then goes to see Tommy, and the apology is her saying, this is who I truly am, can we be something? When he backs away, it's saying, no, we can't be that. That fundamentally kills her emotionally, Mm -hmm. which is why the next scene is in heaven, when they're all in white, and so is the audience, uh-huh. at which point she realizes she no longer needs this character, so she says, here, to you who wants it and who needs it, and now I will literally vanish into the ether by walking through this dirty gutter where I belong <laughs> and just disappearing into the shadows. <laughs> wow, that last, part, that last part really got me, the, walking through this I mean, dirty okay. gutter where I belong. <laughs> I, I think that there's a little something more of, of self-acceptance. Hey, that's in there, too, but I like mine better, because it's <laughs> depressing um what do you what do you make of this natalie um uh well the ending for me i i like it because you can tell there's a lot of um uh, john cameron mitchell's really good at referencing german art like a lot of the art um that drawing like it reminds me of you know even like sometimes even dada stuff i'm not going to say it's totally dada because dada it's its own thing but like anytime we go into fun abstract stuff um like you said the the white really does symbolize heaven or at least the higher state of um, like, that's such a great, that's such a great, I'm so glad you brought that up, Leia. But <laughs> I also saw with that song of Tommy and um, Hedvig that they kind of still hated each other. Like the way that they were looking at each other was so cool. Like you said, the self-acceptance of, I love you. We have put each other through hell though. And there is no way that we can constantly make each other suffer like this. And again, nude express, this is in fact who I am. Uh, that's all I got. And it is very important that Hedvig is the one that's naked. Um, mm-hmm. For that being abandoned into the world being um, like I said, now I'll finally, yes, there is self-acceptance, but there is a, I still kind of hate myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, know what i'm gonna do with this am i gonna do you know makeup smeared because like and i love that too because i don't know if like 
uh, we even saw crying, but it looks like somebody just mm. going like this and that of like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And it's in that yeah. state of that's how I have to go out into the world. And what I've done means nothing, but that is like, in, yeah. I have to make everything out of that. That like, that's where the fun part about like abstract, like and subjective stuff um goes into it and it's really important the way that they directed those actors um i i loved the looks with that that the hatred and love together and there are some people like that where it's like i don't know if i can ever see you again because we loved each other and that i i, I don't know if i can experience that again because that hate's gonna come up yeah. like oh, oh yeah very good this further reminds me. Did anyone else notice that this movie is eerily identical to Velvet Goldmine? Correct. <laughs> Correct. Uh, Correct. That would be good for the show, by the way. Mm. But you could you could oh. get someone really drunk and have them watch Velvet Goldmine, and then when they're hungover the next day, have them describe the movie, and they might accidentally describe Hedwig. <laughs> That's exactly correct. And of course, Videomania rented that to me too. <laughs> Shout out Videomania. Oh yeah. And where? If you needed what some city? Marlboro Reds and some Velvet Goldmine, and you're 16. What city was this in? Oh, Des Plaines, Illinois. Beautiful Des Plaines. Yeah. Home of the first incorporated McDonald's and um, uh, J- uh, John Wayne Gacy. So, <laughs> Okay, so some beautiful stuff guy. there. I'm sure Hulk Hogan made his way through town at some point or another. Oh, you uh, most stuff, most stuff. <laughs> Rosemont uh, uh, Arena is right nearby, so it's actually like a it's high likely. percent chance that Hulk Hogan stayed at um, oh, yeah. Rosemont Incorporated and um, hired, uh, you know, had a company um, from one of the billboard advertisements for 24 hour massage. <laughs> I think, you know, I don't it's possible he body slammed Roger the Giant at that Resmont Horizon right there. Um Oh yeah, the chilies. Yeah. <laughs> but uh I don't know. I I think that there's uh, to me the ending is some sort of element of like um I'm going to figure out like my I've always sort of been pushed into roles by other people and I'm going to figure out what I am without this character now. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't think it matters much honestly. I I, I, think it, I think the Indian and like where they go matters less than the journey, if I'm being honest with you. I think that that is so like the same what I was talking before about the they use the animation of the two faces and heads to to like transition into that alley shot. And then it, it like resolves into a tattoo that's on his little butt. Um, and I I feel like it's like the way that the faces sort of like eat each other feels to me like him saying, I can't get rid of this. Like, this is a part of me. This is a part of my story. But Mm. it's not what I am wearing anymore. Like, it's not what I'm, like, showing to the world forward. What I'm showing to the world forward is my naked little butt. My naked little butt. It is so tiny. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're going to live as a nudist from now on. (laughs) Maybe. Now Now that could be the sequel. I just want to mention that other people who have played Hedwig live include Neil Patrick Harris, who won a Tony for this in 2014 for the, um, what do they call that, revival? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As well as Darren Chris, Tay Diggs, which I would love to see, Andrew Rannells, Michael C. Hall, which I'd, I'm also desperate to see, frankly, Ali Sheedy, and Anthony Rapp. Um, also, Michael Cerberus, uh-huh. who is, I feel like, a name that you you would like recognize his face from TV shit, but I feel like is more of a Broadway name. 
but yeah. that he's a he's a very exciting Broadway. Yeah, alum. does he have like three faces? On is a dog with like three faces? <laughs> yeah, how do you know? What do you say? His name's Michael Cerberus. <laughs> Cerberus. Yeah, that's that must be. Yeah, right. he's he's in front of that room in Harry Potter, and also he's yeah. literally a series of stars. <laughs> Um, well, did we, before we sort of move on to, to, um, the, our ending here, is there anything we missed in talking about the movie that you guys want to bring up or talk about? It's a car wash, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. We should talk about the car wash, honestly. So the car wash is, is the segment where she's doing, uh, what is it? It's one of the more country songs. And it's where she has this oh, great... It's a hoedown. Yeah. I love that song. I love that song. I love her outfit during it with the tie and the, uh... Well, yeah, and it has... Fringe, fringe skirt, uh-huh. importantly. Hedvig does the most champ move that I'm like, <laughs> I, I can never do that, and just leans the crotch right above a what 96 year old man, <laughs> uh, and then just like does the fringe on his face. Sort of like, it's a car wash, ladies and gentlemen. It's a car wash, uh, and gen- which yeah. I read with like they used to seat celebrities in the seat that Hedwig was always going to do car wash uh, for. Oh my god! And then I read. I just told you this stuff at the to- at the 2014 Emmys. Neil Patrick Harris did it Tony's. to who? Sorry, Tony's. To- uh, Neil Patrick Harris did it to Orlando Bloom. Oh, I thought it was Betty White. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Betty White did it to Orlando Bloom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, well, uh, you guys, let's talk about what it would be like to remake this movie. Like, are we trying to fix sort of some stuff about it? Or are we, um, are we just interested in just plugging someone in there and seeing what happens? I, like, the political climate that it exists in now, you'd have to retool it from top to bottom. Like, I, so. I, I, watching this, I, I could help but think about, like, the Gen Z kids, how much they don't like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Uh, for all the problematic things that are in it, but to anyone who grew up with that, it's too important of a historical artifact, so it doesn't matter yet that it's, like, we, they can't erase it yet. That's true. And I we, wonder we, if, we did talk a lot about true. that on our Rocky Horror episode, about sort of where that fits in. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder, one, if this uh, will befall that same fate. In order to do it, you'd have to you'd have to come to terms with the fact that uh, it is a character that is being forced into a gender and then being forced into a different gender. Um, yeah. And uh, you'd have to make it absolutely clear that this is not a story of transition for that character. Right. Which is not clear. They're they're lumping all queerness into this one bit of gender bending. That's a little um, bit true. Yeah, I think that his, his clarifications he has made since then are not in the piece. Ooh, yeah. They could be. Uh, also, it's very much a Gen X and or late stage boomers idea of rock and roll. Yeah. And the glam rock. <laughs> you could not plug glam rock into it in, in this century. You'd have to plug a completely different genre. What are the ones the kids like that I don't know anything about? <laughs> you think you think there should be like a trap? Yeah, I, I, think, I think that would fit better. Or like the weekend. Like, yeah. Does a little a little edit. Mm-hmm. Not the weekend. God. <laughs> The weekend. What about Natalie Alfred? As Hedwig. Oh, what about me? No, just does a little mm. does a little musical edit to, to contemporize it. I, oh Jesus. I mean I would love to see you as Itzak. Oh, thank you. But I, I like the music. see, I'm you know, again, I'm an elder millennial and I really like glam rock. Um uh, but, I do too. <laughs> I do think the music would have to, it would just exist as a throwback. Yeah, like you said, yeah, it could, but like I, I think it just should be music like 
I, I'm in the personal camp of do revivals of it on Broadway. Yeah. It would work better because there's a little more freedom and leeway on Broadway to, like you said, like cast different people, different mm-hmm. genders, yeah. Adelaide in, you know, whatever. Whereas with a movie, oh man, it's like, cause it's going to national audiences and you're going to have to manage if you don't. And you only get that one landing. take. Yeah. yeah. You only get one chance. Yeah. You can't like respond to things as they're happening. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, and if, um, yeah, again, what if they revamp the music and try to modernize it and it sounds like poo, yeah. you know, <laughs> and then uh, like, or they hire somebody who is, you know, singing too softly on something when it should be something that's belted or, you know, they put a hip hop song in there and it was like, that. <laughs> why no one, need, or, I you mean, know you're coming I'm at saying? it from the, like, from the standpoint of a marketing executive who wants to actually exactly. make money on it, but you're not wrong that they might. You just that. came at Russell Crowe yeah. and Aquafina at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, like when I'm thinking about marketing, it's like, you know, I, I, no. And like, nobody wants to even try to like, I, you know, people have an, old execs have a hard enough time to like really care about you know they could handle three so far like that joe biden thing of like there are at least three genders you know <laughs> they've gotten that far yeah so i don't know if there there's even a capability or interest to really do a cool thing because it would be cool if like there was like hey like maybe we could get somebody to do a little bit more fine tuning on this like mm-hmm. you know add a couple lines here or there that will explain more right. about um god the silent character i keep <laughs> well it's not like rent where like it needs a little fine-tuning but everyone's scared to death to touch it because the guy died you know what i mean like i feel like john yeah, this... will be like yeah touch it up fix it right yeah uh, yeah and there's a little more leeway with that with stage yeah yeah there yeah. just is because they're the type of people that go to stage shows we're annoying <laughs> 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 exceedingly so yeah yeah but they're gonna stick with the music in a stage show and they might maybe like use a couple different instrumentations but again i wouldn't trust a movie with the score um very much uh because it's like let's throw in this one for the kids in it and they might <laughs> mm-hmm. put another original song in there trying to get an oscar nom that mm-hmm. sounds wow. like poo and <laughs> shots fired at you know at the premise now of the new podcast. line is owned by warner brothers and also <laughs> yeah. discovery and also whatever the fuck 17 so then you'll get harry potter jumping yeah. in there for no reason <laughs> yeah exactly they love yeah you got that. daniel Space radcliffe and <laughs> we are going to remake it as a movie because we're trying to get an Oscar. That's the whole premise here is that we're going to we're going to remake the movie and get that best original song Oscar. You know, we're going to add a song into it. We're going to get that Oscar. That's the premise. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I do want to say is that I think so. Do you remember when they when they did Rocky Horror and they put um, Laverne Cox as Frankenfurter and something about it didn't work because the whole thing about Frankenfurter is that he was this thespian who unleashed a sexual side, Tim Curry, instead mm-hmm. of like yeah. a sort of sexy person anyways, who just like was sexy again as Frankenfurter. And I think that's a similar thing here. Like Michael C. Hall, if I saw him do this role with everything he had, that would absolutely turn me inside out, I think, because I've never seen him do anything like that, you know? And so I do think it's a similar thing here where they would need to get someone like John Hamm or not. That's a bad example, but you know, something like that. <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. Why not? Kentucky Anna's own Jesse Eisenberg. 
Well, I'm I once... trying to think of a good one. I <sighs> I know, like who who that would be now. I don't know. I mean, I mean like ben funny Platt. enough, I would say Daniel Radcliffe if he could Ooh. hold a tune, but I don't think he can. I do think that he though uh, is good at like going all in on things, like in, mm-hmm. in the way that this would oh, mean. Absolutely. Yeah, he seemed to really be really cool of like deciding to pick like odd um, independent choices. Yeah. And man, this is this, this would be that. I don't think he. Can. I don't think he can sing, and Tom Holland bores me to death. Oh, that's so interesting. I don't. Sorry, Tom. I'm sorry. No, I, that's you know. that's a it's a welcome change because I feel like he gets suggest he and Tay Diggs are suggested for just about every reboot mm-hmm. we talk about on this podcast. Um, and so I'm happy to be bored by Tom Holland for the for the week. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. Let's let's get like a um, I don't know. Is Clint Eastwood too old? <laughs> He would be, oh God, that car wash scene would be amazing. Where my penis used to be, where my vagina never was. Never was. (laughs) And he's like singing to a chair. Suddenly I'm this. (laughs) I can't remember any of the lines from that song all of a sudden. Put on some makeup. I get off my lawn. Um, All right. Well, uh. Suffice to say, like I said, Natalie, that when we do remake these uh, these movies, we're going to throw in a new song. That's that's sort of the premise of our final feature here is that uh, we record a new She's song. She's shaking her head. I know, I know she is. <laughs> every every musical we talk about, I rec- I write and record a new song uh, to to pitch as sort of a demo for like, hey, come to us, we'll remake this, and I have a new song ready to go for you to get an Oscar. Uh-huh. Um, my disclaimer, Natalie, and you know this because you've known me for a long time. I'm not a musician, okay? I'm no. I, I'm a person who barely knows how GarageBand works, and I try to use that to write songs. And um, mm. I also don't know how uh, musical theater works, and that plays in here. Um, and so, uh, uh, but I wrote a song to add to Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and it is a song uh, from. Uh, I, I guess I was pretty mad that Andrea Martin didn't sing, <laughs> uh, because this, Andrea Martin has two Tonys uh, for Pippin and My Favorite Year. And uh, and this character Phyllis Phyllis could have a song, right? That's a, that's I think that's what this yeah. musical needs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's my that's premise. Our remake. Let's do whatever we that's want. That's my premise here yeah. is that Phyllis needs a song, and I and I didn't have time to get a woman to sing it. But what, it's a gender bendy musical, so I just sang it myself. And also, I'm pretty sure me and Andrea Martin are in the same vocal range. So same range, yeah. Um. So this is my song for Phyllis. It's just called Phyllis Stein. We haven't we didn't talk about that. Her last name is Stein, which makes her full name Phyllis Stein. Which is the most drag queen fucking joke ever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this song is called Phyllis Stein, and it's um, uh, just my little effort to give Phyllis a song, and we're gonna listen to it. We'll be back on the other side of it here on Musical the Movie, the podcast. <laughs> She's dead. 
to me <laughs> because I can't live vicariously through her. So I found Hedwig, and also I have a brain tumor. <laughs> there it is. Just a little short one this week. Uh, Phyllis died. Better than Dickens. <laughs> Better than Dickens. Just wanted to just wanted to really dig into her. Really, no, no. She wanted to be a star. No. Her daughter wouldn't wouldn't enter the entertainment career, so she finds Hedwig, and also she has a brain tumor. And that's pretty much all the backstory I can imagine for Phyllis. Yeah, and maybe she just had to leave because she had a doctor's appointment. Maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe. Maybe that. Yeah. She acts like it's about the passport, but she's like, "Oh, I got that brain tumor doctor appointment." Are you I, saying that all of Hedwig is potentially a hallucination in her head caused by the brain tumor? Yes. Now we're talking. Oh, now we man. have a reboot. <laughs> yeah, whole eye of the dog thing. Yes. The dog was dreaming it. <laughs> Um, well, it's as good a time as any to mention that you can find all the songs that we write here on Musical the Movie the Podcast, whether it's uh this one or Priest with a Boner from last week, the Runaway. It was hit, out of my head for like four minutes, Andy. Or possibly uh, uh Sabotage in the Name of the Lord, the song I wrote for Sound of Music. They're all available on our Patreon, patreon.com slash dumb fun. And that supports the entire Dumb Fun family of podcasts. Musical, the movie, the podcast, that's us. You're listening to it right now. As well as 30 characters. Uh, my podcast with Joe Fernandez and Matt Riggs and a guest where we uh, do a bunch of dumb shit for an hour. And then uh, Fanny Falls Demon Hunter, the fake 90s TV rewatch show that I have about a TV show that never actually existed. Uh, check all those out and check out our Patreon. Support us at patreon.com slash dumbfun. And uh, let's throw to you guys and say, Vidalia, what do you have coming? So this is going to drop uh, next Monday. What do you have coming up that you want to tell people about? Not a goddamn thing. <laughs> yeah, aren't you, uh, you're not working on another play, are you? I, I'm writing a thing, but it's, I, it's early. I'm, oh, I'm just writing a thing. The, nice. The proper amount of uh, shame about the year unfinished writing. Uh, <laughs> that's nice to I'm see. getting married. If everyone wants to come to that, it's November 4th. Oh, nice. It's somewhere in Louisville. Just go wander around. You'll find it. All right. Can I have a spot? um all right and natalie what's up with you oh i've been all been all under the weather i've been um what you call it so well all i can say is uh uh, follow my instagram even though it's privated and i don't want any new friends (laughs) Um, is there a place where people can can give you money for your music like Bandcamp? oh they can do that i guess yeah (laughs) so uh natalie grace alford Bandcamp. um go ahead check it out um, I don't care about Spotify though, because my my numbers are so, oh they're so shameful. So it, don't even bother. It's a shame every time I listen to one of your and, I, and so your your type of wound EP is remains just in heavy rotation for me. Uh, and every time you know oh, I, I you. see the numbers on it, I'm just like, why the fuck? Oh, that's so depressing. <laughs> oh, it's so depressing. Don't don't even bother. The amount of opportunities I've lost where it's like, oh, you're really good. And then they, but, yeah. So don't even me god you can't do anything about that mm. I, well so good i know that and, and clearly i can tell that you have a you have a little bit of separation from it right now because you know you've been ill but like well i've been on the yeah i got i got sick and uh long COVID stuff so i haven't really been able to do any of that i'm trying to do more art and stuff so again if you want to see it go on my instagram and maybe i'll think about um <laughs> But no, you can actually also kind of find me on Twitter. Um, I post stuff like that, and there are links on there. Your music, uh, stuff. And I, so, I mentioned it earlier, you're a lurper, which means, of course, you're looking for Joseph Gordon-Levitt to kill him. 
Um, oh yeah, for sure. <gasps> Joseph Gordon-Levitt could do uh, the role. You know what? Oh, that's really true. I'd, I'd let it happen. Oh. <laughs> Vidalia even seems interested. But anyway. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Steph, what about you? What do you want to plug? Um, I would like to plug any character motivation that is not sexual assault. Great. Any of them. Yeah. Great. Just whatever we're done. So, We've had so what enough. If, We've covered so like, that. What if like what if I have a character and we like kill his wife in the first act? That's uh, a character motivation that's not sexual assault. That's good, right? Yeah, and what if what if like he could only feel something after his wife got killed? <laughs> that was the only way he could feel. How do we what do we do we like that? I mean TVH I'll watch it if he gets a dog. Yeah, I was gonna say if you're not sold on the wife thing, we can kill a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, just follow me on Instagram. I'm not as picky as Natalie. You can you can just jump right on there, and I'll prove you. I don't give a fuck. And uh, and uh, and then uh, I think that's it, guys. Uh, this is so uh, you're going to now hear the voice of me from the future telling you what movie we're doing on our next episode. Hi, guys. Andy here. A couple quick things. First of all, sorry for the delay in this episode. I had some life happen to me this week. Uh, So we will be back in two weeks with 1971's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Willy Wonka, not Charlie, okay? There's a difference. Willy, Willy Wonka. It's fun to say, like, Alan Rickman. Hat tip to my friend Sean Sean Keller, who did that. Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. Wow, can you believe it? It's been a long I time. We've wait. wanted to do that movie for a long time. I know. I know. Oh, God. The, 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 um, the drama. The fans are going crazy. The Discord is going absolutely nuts <laughs> right now. My fiance heard about it as having an orgasm in the next room. Wow, wow, wow. Those okay. things are unrelated, by the way. <laughs> um, Natalie, Vidalia, thank you guys so much for joining us to talk about this movie, this I weird, wild it. movie. Yeah, thanks for having us. Do, do what we, a delightful yeah, conversation. Do we, here's my, my final question. Do we recommend this movie? It's a wild ride. <laughs> I, I mean, s- if you want a wild time at the movies, I think watch it. I recommend the soundtrack. As, as a piece of uh, queer cinema for people who are interested in that sort of thing, yes. For something that I say, hey, I enjoyed this movie. No, no. Okay. Watch Velvet <laughs> Watch Goldmine instead. Yeah. And Natalie? Um, yeah, I would say if you want to like get an idea about 1997, 1998 and have a bop and <laughs> I would say listen to the soundtrack Yeah. Um, and prepare yourself if you want to go in there just to find out. Um, the competitor for Glitter 2001, which is also released <laughs> on September 12th. Um, so if you want that context, then um, yeah, but yeah. Velvet Goldmine, good call. That is well, a, a bit more of a better movie. I think that um, watch it if you watch it and know what you know now about all the queer themes represented therein, but like don't like show it to your mom to be like, this is what queer stuff is about. You know, that's that's my final <laughs> recommendation for Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, Vidalia and Natalie, thank you again for so much for uh, your time, for being here. Two of my favorite people. Glad to have you here. Glad to catch up with you. Glad to hear your wonderful opinions on this movie. Uh, And uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with that movie that I said earlier. And uh, we'll see you then. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast with Andy and Steph. Bon dom.